I look at Kristen Stewart now and I think, I'd never want to be that famous. I can't imagine how I'd feel if all of a sudden my life was pandemonium. Jennifer Lawrence. He's kind of crazy. She's a little insane. Keeping Kenny G really messes with his brain. One is divorced. The other's husband is dead. That's why it's so messed up in the head. It's a Silver Linings Playcast. And hello, oh, everybody, yeah. and welcome to the season premiere of season 13 of the Silver Linings Playcast. Uh, if you listen to the season finale of season 12, which was last week, you'll understand why I'm doing the seasons now. Uh... We might stop doing the seasons. It's kind of ridiculous. Anyway, yep, this is our 13th season of one-episode seasons. That means we've been doing this for 13 weeks, uh, just over three months now. That's kind of crazy. Anyway, today on the latest episode of the Silver Linings Playcast, by the way, I'm sorry I didn't introduce myself. My name is Jamie Ward, and I am your host on the Silver Linings Playcast, uh, the only podcast that I know that is solely devoted to talking about Silver Linings Playbook, the movie, and the Silver Linings Playbook, the book. Uh, that is not an official like intro or anything. It's just something I say every week, because every week I look to make sure that we are, in fact, the only one. And and for legal note, I, I must declare, I do always say it that way, the only one that I am aware of. There may, in fact, be another Silver Linings Playbook and the Silver Linings Playbook, the book uh, d- devoted podcast out there. But uh, according to my knowledge and anybody that I've ever talked to, I am not aware of it, and I did some research too. If you look back on one of our early episodes, we we uh, looked up every other podcast we could find that uses the term "silver lining" or "silver linings" in their podcast name. There's some pretty good ones taken, but anyway, you can go back for that information. Uh, but yeah, no, no. So this is an interesting week too because there's something we're, we're going to do this week that we have never done before. I like to always open it up with quote you always hear a quote before the intro and i usually try to pick something that is thematically linked to what we're going to be talking about in that day's episode but we are actually going to address the quote from this this week it was i look at kristen stewart now and i think i'd never want to be famous that is that is a quote from jennifer lawrence uh, who is talking about uh why she would never want to be famous (laughs) This is back when she auditioned for the role of Bella from Twilight. We'll get to that later because there's a couple connections we have to the podcast in that. We love the the Twilight films here at the Silver Linings Playcast. Uh, I say that we, I pretty much run this podcast solo at the moment, but I, you know, I'm talking about uh, my best friend Conrad, who's been a guest on here, and I, in spirit, I consider him the co-host because he's just sort of. Uh, the the soulmate uh, creatively on every project I do, even when he doesn't want to be a part of the things I do, which is understandable. When when somebody comes along and says, "Do you want to be part of a podcast that is going to record one hour every week at least, uh, uh, and it's going to be completely on the movie Silver Linings Playbook?" I understand why you might want to keep your distance. In fact, I can't imagine why why this is still going on. Anyway, so this week. This week, the topic. Last week, we talked about Bradley Cooper. So this week, I definitely wanted the show to be devoted 
to the the absolutely gorgeous hot blonde from Silver Linings Playbook, but like I said, uh, we did Bradley Cooper last week. I don't want to do two weeks on the same subject. So this week we're going to be talking about Jennifer Lawrence, too, who uh, has act- technically, technically she has been nominated for more various awards, uh, not, not like important awards. I'm getting ahead of myself. She has been nominated for all the best awards too, but she has received more like, uh, Maxim's top 100 hottest women, uh, lists than Bradley Cooper has been on. I believe they both won, uh, uh, people's uh, people magazines. Um, like most beautiful people in the world award though, though set different years, or maybe they were, uh, man and woman. I don't know because I'm, I'm trying not to be that superficial on this. I want to talk much more about uh, some more industry-specific and, and deeper interesting topics. So let's get into it. This week we are talking about Jennifer Schrader Lawrence, who was born on August 15th, 1990. And she was born in Indian Hills, Kentucky. Uh, her father was a, owned a concrete construction firm called Lawrence and Associates, and her mother ran a children's camp. I don't know why I just giggled at that. And apparently they were a pretty devout Christian family. She has two brothers, um, and, and her, her earliest acting memories is, is uh, when she was nine years old playing a prostitute in a church play. Now, she didn't intend to become an actress at all. That wasn't like her... her ambition growing up um she just like participated in in the church church plays and school theaters and stuff around there sort of recreationally uh when she was 14 though her family went on a trip to new york and she was spotted on the street by a an agent uh who actually scouted her and got her to come to to do some readings for some uh, auditions and that sort of was the start of her professional career. It's interesting. She went off to to school to uh, um, for a little. She was in school for a little bit and uh, was was sort of like dabbling in going to auditions and and becoming an actress. Uh, she got offered some modeling work. This is funny. Her mother was not really keen when when she was offered the cold auditions from the scout when she was fourteen. She thought, uh, and I understand this is very sort of, uh, could be a, a, a sort of like a sketchy situation. You hear a lot of bad things that happen that way. It's also, it's also kind of amazing because you never actually hear that actually happening. There's, there's like this fairy tale myth in Hollywood because it happens in comedy and about in, in the like, you're you're picked off the street. Somebody is just so beautiful or or so unique looking that uh, you know a director pulls an extra out of the background. It's like I need you to to play this role. But apparently it does happen sometimes. You know we like to believe it happens more often. It happens almost never, but it does happen here. Like there was there's a very famous viral YouTube clip of. Uh, let's talk about last week's guy, Bradley Cooper, who was a student at the uh, uh, Actors Studio uh, in in New York, and then he was on on Inside the Actors Studio with James Lipton on the show. And there's a famous YouTube clip where I f- uh, I forget who who it is, but it's somebody like Al- Alec Baldwin or De Niro or someone. There's somebody famous. Bradley Cooper is in the audience 
uh, maybe it's a Steven Spielberg episode. And, and the person that James Lipton is, is um, interviewing speaks to the students and says, none of you were ever going to make it. The odds of anybody that is sitting in the audience of the actor's studio uh, audience ever being as famous as the person sitting on the stage being interviewed. And he meant it jokingly, but he's like, none of y'all are ever going to make it. And then the, the YouTubers found that clip of Bradley Cooper sitting right in the front of the audience. And he actually raises a question, uh, raises his hand and asks a question. And then they, they split that against the fact that he's now the Bradley Cooper we all know and love. But anyway, so Jennifer Lawrence had that sort of same start. It wasn't, it wasn't like straight to the top either though. I mean, she worked her way in a really respectable way, uh, to where she has become, uh, one of the most prestigious, uh, actresses of our generation. Um, this is interesting. I don't want to get too opinionated on it. Cause it, cause I think, uh, there's, there's no denying her credentials, uh, talent wise and accomplishment wise. In fact, looking through her accomplishments, I think on paper, she is much more, um, much more distinguished uh, as far as like award and and film projects than Bradley Cooper is. In fact, I would pose this question. I I, I last week talked about. I think Bradley Cooper is one of the premier actors of our generation. I just whether you like him or not, and the roles he's in or not, I think he's established himself as that very consistent, high caliber um, actor. I think. Jennifer Lawrence could end up being one of the actresses uh, that would be from our generation, but I would not put her in that category yet. She's hit some very high, like uh, same same level of consistency, uh, same level of great performances. I think it mostly has to do with with the the choices at this point. Or I don't. It's such a hard thing to say. I don't really. No, uh, and part of this, I think, is terrible because it might be my opinion and taste in movies, and it might be my male uh, taste in movies, too. Bradley Cooper just happens to have been in more films that I do like. Jennifer Lawrence has not been in, in the same kind of movies as I like. I haven't actually seen her in that many movies. Um, I don't necessarily seek them out or not seek them out. I, if she shows up, I'm like, I'm sure she's going to do fantastic uh but i wouldn't say that i follow her career in the same way that i would definitely seek out a bradley cooper movie um that is not to mean i'm sexist i mean i probably i probably really am sexist this is just not an example of me uh, exercising that uh sexist tendency in myself um because there are definitely actresses that i would see anything that they have done just because they are winona Ryder probably at the top of my list have i seen many movies with her in it no no i have not uh but i always i mean to so but anyway yes jennifer lawrence is uh she she has um acted in films that have grossed six billion dollars worldwide and she was the highest paid actress in the years 2015 and 2016 i'm sure she will hit that mark uh, many more times in her career, she's young. She's 30 years old. Uh, she was uh, appeared in Time's 100 Most Influential People on, in the World in 2013. I believe Bradley Cooper was on that list as well. I didn't look at the exact number, so I, I'm curious about who was more influential 
that year. I think that was sort of her breakout year, too. I say that, so she was in a film, uh, Winter's Bone, which I think was a, uh, an old 2011 movie, um, which w- uh, was, I have not seen it, but it is a well-respected movie. It is rated highly, ranked highly. Uh, she was nominated for awards for her role in that. So I know it's, and I think that was sort of seen as her her sort of breakout role she had been in things prior to that um we're probably going to talk about awards a lot in this because because she has some very interesting uh credentials and stuff but let's go back a little bit and just finish out her story i was talking about her background i was talking about um her mother did not like the idea of her going into acting based off of somebody coming off the street and discovering her to go to read auditions at 14. But then later, uh, when she was in her late teens, she was offered some modeling work and got into modeling a little bit. And this is the thing I find so funny. Her mother was very supportive of modeling. She was like, hey, go, go model. Uh, But Jennifer was more interested in acting that was sort of happening at that same time too. And like, hey, I like going to these acting auditions more. I like uh, to be able to speak and to, to act and, and that. Um, and I, I get that so much. I say like, I get that, uh, we're, we're operating at such different levels. <laughs> I'm not in, in the least trying to compare myself, uh, to her. She's an amazing, amazing person and very talented. I'm only saying I literally know what that <laughs> about that in 2004. Um, the running joke is that I'm always 27 and that however, whatever year it is, it's always exactly however many years ago it would be to keep me at 27. Uh, you don't know when I'm recording this. You know when I'm recording this. One, nobody's probably listening. But back in 2004, I believe it was, I was in college in Boston, and I got into modeling a little bit myself. Uh, part, of, part of this happened because I saw a bulletin board um, for a new Victoria's Secret store that was having a grand opening at Copley Center in Boston. If you're not familiar with Copley in Boston, that is, it's like a mall, but it's very fancy. It's part of a whole uh, convention center, hotel, and stuff. Anyway, so it's a very nice mall. That was the first Victoria's Secret that was coming into that upscale shopping center. Uh, they had a billboard in the str- on the street across from where I lived and was going to school at the time. And I... Uh, let's see, I think this was 2004, so my celebrity crush at the time was Alessandra Ambrosio, who was um, one of like the top five uh, Victoria's Secret models at the time. Let's see if I can even remember who was the, There was like that was when they sort of really started their angel branding, and they had um, re- uh, the, the Victoria's Secret models be- were really becoming uh, celebrity characters for the the company and their modeling brands much in a very wu-tang way um that is interesting we're gonna get so off topic on this episode but it's because there's so many different directions uh that of things that i am passionate about that i want to talk about one i i make the reference to wu-tang because i'm a huge fan not only of wu-tang clan um (laughs) musically uh but i but business-wise, if anybody is familiar, there's been a lot of documentaries and TV shows and different interviews um, where Riz is talking about 
starting that group. And he's one of the most amazing business people in, in all of entertainment. And he had this great idea when he was putting the whole group together that he was like, Hey, we, I'm going to, I'm going to take all these people that could be individual artists on their own. that each have their own set of MC skills. And I, but, but I'm going to create this super group, right? And there's going to be a, uh, don't quote me on this because I'm, um, it's been a long time and my memory is bad. I think there was like 14, maybe there's 14 members over the course of, uh, from when they started till now, but, uh, and I didn't plan on talking any about any of this. Um, but right. So, so he's, he takes this group of, of all these people that could be working on their own solo artists. And he's like, you guys, let's create something bigger than ourselves. But the deal is when you are a part of this group, you represent the group. Uh, understand for your career, you can take the the Wu Tang branding and and you'll break off and you'll have been you will have been a member of it. Like you can use Wu Tang to uh, make your brand better. But when you're working for for the Wu Tang Clan, you're always representing just the this brand, um, this brand on it on its own. And, and it was a very effective business model. I, I could get off onto a whole different conversation about the brilliance and the effect of that. There's already stuff about that. Anyway, if you're interested in that, go look up uh, one of the many business articles or documentaries or YouTube videos on the Wu-Tang Clan. Anyway, that's what Victoria's Secret was doing in about 2004. And I think if you remember the top, the, the five models... They had uh, uh, Giselle Bunchen, um, Heidi Klum, Alessandra, uh, Adriana Lima. And Tyra Banks. If you remember, there, there was like the five of them. Um, there, there were models uh, and Victoria's Secret Angels before then, uh, I think. I believe the first one was probably back in 1997. Uh, I I know this probably sounds weird that I know so much about this. There's reasons for it. I got totally into modeling, and a lot of this was the inspiration for why I did that. But um, but I, I think they're they really started to sell to the public, uh, sort of like these five main models. I could be wrong too. It also might have just been. Uh, I was young and I had moved out and gone to college and this is when all of these things became a reality to me. I hit puberty in 2014. That would put me at 27 right now, right? <laughs> Something like that. So maybe that's why I'm uh, sort of stunted as uh, a dude. I don't know. Anyway, uh, so they... Anyway, Giselle was going to be at the... Um, grand opening of the the Victoria's Secret and Copley Center. Uh, my my biggest celebrity crush at the time, like I was saying, was Alessandra Ambrosio. And I guess, so I guess I was having a significant birthday. Um, I'm not going to name what it is because it would totally mess up the math of me being 27 right now. But uh, it, it was a pretty, you know, I felt a very special birthday coming up. And so I wanted to invite Alessandra. I thought... This is what I thought seriously in my stupid 20-year-old head. Uh, I was like, I'm going to the meet and greet uh, that Giselle is going to 
be at, and I could give her a, a birthday invitation for her to give to her coworker Alessandra, and maybe she would come to my birthday party. Um, I didn't end up having a birthday party at all. I don't really, I'm not into birthday parties. I just thought it was a great idea. So anyway, I went to the grand opening. I did not really know who, uh, Giselle was though. Like I, I knew the name. Um, I, uh, cause she was that famous at the time that is one of the, like you, everybody knew the one word name model, uh, Giselle. So that's all they had put on the board. And so I was like, okay, um, Sure. I, you know, I didn't even really care particularly about meeting her. I just did not realize that at a meet and greet that was announced that that many people that were there would be there. I got there. Uh, I got there pretty close to when they said the meet and greet was going to start. Um, and there was a line that wrapped around the building. And I was so shocked because I was like, I have to be the only person that had thought like, Anyway, I was stupid for a lot of different reasons. Also, I was late because they had just opened the Krispy Kreme Donuts up in Copley, which was uh, pretty much the, one of the first northern locations for a Krispy Kreme Donuts in the place. I'm not even a huge donut person either. I just sort of felt like, oh, I, I wanted one as I was walking over, so I stopped to get donuts, which put me a little later too. It actually put me so late that when I got to the line uh, to... To meet Giselle, uh, which was wrapped all the way around the mall, the security was like, we're cutting off. No more people can meet her. And so this is where you, I was literally the first person that was not able to meet her. Um, and, and so I, I got this other stupid idea. I was like, maybe I could just run around real quick. Like if I just run up real fast and throw the letter at her, uh, I... I am not a very good judge of how the world works. Uh, I the, the weird thing is I meant all this very innocently. It actually had nothing to do with her either. But now, in retrospect, uh, with knowing how the world works a little better, being older and having been on the other side of the entertainment industry myself a little bit, I understand it, it would be kind of weird if like a young man is just running mad dash toward you uh, in a line uh, attempting to throw something that you're not going to be able to know is an envelope that has a birthday invitation that's not even for you at them which is understandable now why the mall security apprehended me and threw me out of the mall and told me not to come back so I actually got off pretty lucky but uh, when when I you know I felt very defeated in the moment because it had been my big plan and I really didn't have a plan B. I just figured all of that was going to work perfectly, and so on my my walk back, because everybody just walks everywhere in Boston. I you know I was really depressed, and I got to thinking, oh man, how how can I meet models? Uh, oh, I know the best way to meet models is to become a model, and then I get invited to model parties. Well, what do you know? Uh, <laughs> this is totally random. I started just um, sort of like applying to random things, not like random photo shoots, but actually I I got I found a pretty distinguished uh, modeling program, not like a um, not like a training program. There's a lot of scam 
modeling programs and stuff where people are just trying to sell you headshots and stuff. I actually uh, got into like this modeling fellowship. Um, I, f and I forget because uh, it's so long ago, a lot of the details of the company, but basically it was um, some fashion producers that had auditions and then they found 20 up and coming uh aspiring models in boston and then they they like totally for free sort of mentored us for several months and set us up with some different fashion shows and shoots and invited us to parties and sort of like they i think it was uh sort of like their long-term tryouts for their company um but they basically gave us all a crash course in how to model and stuff and we'd we did practicing exercises and I was in some runway shows and we did some practice photo shoots at different places and they taught us how to get more jobs and build portfolios and stuff. And I was actually in uh, the opening night, I think they called it the opening night gala fashion show in uh, for Boston's Fashion Week in, I believe it was 2004. I might have my year off. It was held at the the Boston World Trade Center and I was wearing um, a Calvin Klein suit uh, and they invited us to a big party and I, and I went to s several other parties. They used to, um, you know, when they'd launch different fashion lines around Boston, they'd invite us to hang out and meet the different people. I didn't like any of that. I ended up like the from the very first time I tried it. I realized that this was not actually any fun for me. I don't want to say that the stereotypes are true and it was the absolute worst people to deal with, but I just did not enjoy dealing with any of the people that I met at these parties. And I say all this to, to say I, I was in film school at the time. I was intending to be a screenwriter and director i didn't really have any performance ambitions but i did start taking some acting classes and i came to the same realization that jennifer lawrence did so i told you all of that to just simply tie it back to the fact i totally understand why uh, some people are drawn to just sitting and looking pretty and i don't want to diminish anything about what that is too they actually work very hard at, at what they do and i have a lot of respect for for the work in that uh, I totally understand the different appeal of somebody wanting to be able to to speak, to do their lines, to act, to be characters. Um, I think there's definitely character work that happens in modeling. It's the thing I used to joke about when I was trying to be a model was, oh, I don't want to be an actor because it's way easier to just show up and be pretty. Um, so anyway, there are some really weird things. I hope they're all off the internet now. Uh, like I was, I modeled for, for a couple, um, different clothing lines that were on some websites and stuff and just very, very strange time in my life. But that led me to where I am now because I really had no intention to ever be a performer. And then that set me down. So anyway, I would not know any of you if none of that had happened. So while I'm happy that none of that really went through the way it did uh i i love the fact that it all happened and i don't wish to ever have gone through with any of that stuff or well, i'm saying i'm glad i'm not a model
Uh, and there's no there's no threat of that because I, <laughs> I don't think you have to worry about that. I had really let myself go. I uh, I became a stand up comedian because it is the it is the one field in entertainment where you don't have to be attractive. In fact, I think the the less attractive you are, the easier it is to be funny. That's how most of us got funny uh, when we were younger. Is as a defense mechanism for being weird and not being appreciated for anything else about us. I say that I'm probably not even that funny either. If I was funnier, I would be doing stand-up comedy right now and not having a podcast about Silver Linings Playbook and the Silver Linings Playbook, the book. You know, I say that um, it's 2020 right now. It's September 2020. Nobody's really having comedy. If you're listening to this years from now, there is a pandemic going on. Oh, the other thing I wanted to say earlier, too, I was talking about I, that I always check to make sure that we are the, as far as I know, the only podcast that's solely devoted to Silver Linings Playbook, the book. And so, and my first thought, I was going to say, uh, you know, this was a 2012 movie. So I think every week that goes by, we get a little bit safer that we're probably going to be the only one. Uh, I say that I am about one month into just being so absolutely in love with Twin Peaks, the original TV series. I have not seen the new Showtime uh, updated, rebooted, or whatever the new season, new series show is. I have not seen the movie Firewalk with me. Um but I have seen the original first and second season, and it has changed my life. It is one of the best things I've ever seen. Uh, like I've said in the previous last week's episode, I probably am biased uh, because I watched it and was introduced to it by the most beautiful, sweetest, wonderful woman that I am in love with anyway. So I probably could have watched anything and would now be in love with it. But I actually, I had been wanting to see Twin Peaks for a very long time. I'd heard it's great. I'd love David Lynch's other things. Now, the reason I'm bringing that up is that is a show that what debuted on ABC in 1990, right? And that has had a huge resurgence, especially because Showtime rebooted it or, or had, they did a new season of it. Uh, and it might have been a 2017 for uh, release or 2018 season. But anyway, uh, that is, you know, 27 years after the original. Maybe it was 26. Maybe they released it 26 because I know there's something about like it's uh, saying something happened 26 years again. Also, I don't, I didn't understand most of it. But I liked it. Mostly I like having it explained to me too. So if you want to talk about Twin Peaks too, I'm having a real hard time uh, not just turning this into a Twin Peaks podcast. Uh, but I do listen to a Twin Peaks podcast. I listen to a Twin Peaks podcast called Unwrapped, which is a 2018 podcast. And so all I'm saying is I originally was speculating that every month that went by and there was no other Silver Linings playbook podcast that it was probably a safer bet that i'm the only one you can't rule that out because apparently you there are podcasts being started about things that are as old as stuff that happened in 1990 we are so off track 
let's get back to talking about Jennifer Lawrence. Okay, what were we saying? Uh, we were talking some about her background and her her family. Uh, let me just read this little thing from her bio. Um, Lawrence uh, went on to earn accolades for her collaborations with director David O. Russell, her performance as a depressed young widow in the romance film Silver Linings Playbook 2012, earned her the Academy Award for Best Actress, making her the second youngest winner of the award. She subsequently won the BAFTA Award for Best Actress and Supporting Role for playing a troubled wife in the black comedy American Hustle in 2013. Lawrence has also received Golden Globe Awards for both these films and for portraying Joy Man, Manga, Mangano in the biopic Joy 2015. She has since starred in the science fiction romance Passengers 2016 and psychological horror film Mother 2017 and the spy thriller Red Sparrow in 2018, which is also discounting two of the biggest franchises that a lot of other people that don't watch these kind of movies might be more familiar with seeing her in. Uh, and I, of course, I am talking about uh, the Bill Ingvall show. No, I'm just kidding. Um, she was the lead in the Hunger Games series and uh, Katniss Everdeen and then played uh, Mystique in the, the younger X-Men movies. I don't, I don't know what they're called. I'm not, I don't follow comic books that closely, but uh, I guess there was, the, there was the original X-Men movies, the Bryan Singer X-Men movies, and then they have these new ones with the younger generation of x-men movies but it still has some of the older ones in them too and she is in i guess all of those or something and i've I've seen all of them i'm sure i like them or something i don't really remember but i um but just those are those are like the the big budget films that uh a lot of young people watch I sound so old. I'm clearly not 27. If I'm saying like all these young people watching the X-Men movies, <laughs> even though X-Men is old, that is, that's comic books back from like the sixties or seventies or something. They've been around way, way longer. In fact, these young kids have no reason knowing about that stuff that I'm, I'm close. I have more right to know about that than they do. But in fact, I, I don't not super big comic book guy. I, I actually do know her originally from the Bill Ingvall show, though. I didn't know who she was at the time. It was a 2000 show, 2007 show on TBS. I didn't even watch it on TBS. I bought a DVD uh, of the, I believe it was the first and second season. I think or it was like two seasons in one year or anyway it might be all 10 episodes one season uh not a great show i bought it because of bill ingvall i was uh if you don't know who bill ingvall is he was one of the original blue collar comics when comedians were going on tour with the sort of the when com, uh stand-up comedy was really um making an attempt to get into movie theaters you had the original kings of comedy which uh, uh, was hosted by Steve Harvey, and you had, um, let's see, I think it was D.L. Hughley and Cedric the Entertainer and Bernie Mac, and that uh, just showed like how absolutely 
uh, commercially viable it was to sort of do a stand-up special that was a, a cinematic stand-up special. And then you had the, the Blue Collar Comedy Tour that had Jeff Foxworthy, Bill Ingvall, Larry the Cable Guy, and Ron White. And my favorite of them, and this is so typically me, because uh, if you ask people, he's usually the one people like the least. Bill Ingvall, he was... He was my favorite. I wasn't big into the whole, you might be a redneck. I'm not, not into it. Uh, he, uh, Jeff Foxworthy is a very important person in stand-up comedy. He's sort of like the Seinfeld after Seinfeld for, for a, the blue collar style of comedy, Southern comedy, um, just working person, everyday comedy. And Bill Engvall really sort of, created that whole subgenre of stand-up comedy and made it mainstream but so he had these other guys in billing vault he you know he was a radio personality and big on his own um but he was just a little softer but i always liked him because he was a, he was a storyteller and he, he just seemed like a real guy uh you i think um larry the cable guy became the most singly commercially successful uh i mean that uh, jeff is the biggest I, I think he had the most money but but at time i think um larry had several shows and he's he just had this character that was so commercially a brand on its own beyond stand-up comedy actually that's debatable too that could probably be researched i could probably figure out who they were all powerhouses um because a lot of the times, if uh, you'll hear people say, like, I didn't really like any of the blue-collar guys except for Ron White. Ron White has the most crossover appeal for people that only like blue-collar comedy and the people who don't like blue-collar comedy at all and just like regular, more edgy stand-up comedy. And he was Ron White was the more, uh, you know, adult-themed, and he was always, uh, you know, um, smoking a cigar on stage. Uh, he does that all the time. He showed up at so many open mics that I've been to in Georgia whenever he comes through and he just bumps a lot. I'm not saying this in a bad way either. Um, if you're Ron White, you get to do that. Uh, you know, if you're any big comic and Atlanta is a great comedy city, we've got a lot of people that are big names that'll stop through. And anyway, he's, he's showed up to a lot of open mics and, um, you know, when I was just starting out and, uh, you know, they'd have to cut some of us open micers. One of the times, he he popped into one of my favorite places that doesn't exist anymore closed down a while ago but it was it was just one of the greatest comedy clubs that i ever ever got to work coming up uh, the buford variety theater in buford georgia and it was a very small it was a church building that got turned into a bar and comedy club and the downstairs got turned into a bar where we held the open mic and there was upstairs that became the the weekend comedy club and ron white showed up a lot but he showed up one night where i was i was up next and, or i was not up next he shows up to a show that and these were not well attended open mics but he he does a half an hour and he just absolutely kills he's killing with the comics he's killing with the couple audience regulars that are there um, and this is one of those small dinky, uh, 
open mics where every week we were, we were fighting for every audience response we can get. It, the audience is so small. It's the same six people every week. So they're not laughing at us. We're just trying to get any response from he shows up and shows us what it is to be a professional comedian. And, uh, everybody gets up. Um, well now, okay. So then the, the GM comes over to me and he's like, Hey, uh, you were not technically next on the list. He says this to me, but he's like, but you're, you're funnier than, than the, uh, woman that was supposed to go up next. Um, who I will not mention, but she was specifically not the funniest person. Um, and, uh, so part of me took that as a great honor. It's like, Oh, Oh, thank you. You know, I was thinking he thought, he thought I was funnier than her. So that I was the one to keep the show from, from dying. And, uh, I went up, you know, got introduced right after Ron white and nothing. Like it, bombing would have been better because bombing would have meant that people were even listening to a thing I said, it was just silence. And I, I couldn't even be upset. Um, I was pretty new to comedy at the time and I just, I had nothing and I didn't know how to play it. Uh, and so, <laughs> but I will never forget that silence. I was speaking into a mic. It was kind of like this, you know, bombing after, after Ron White prepared me for having a podcast about nothing, uh, like 10 years later or something. Anyway, the Billing Vault show. So that was a 2007 TV show. And that was sort of Jennifer Lawrence's first uh, regular acting gig. She had sort of been a background or extra, um, or I don't know if extra, maybe they were speaking roles. Technically her first uh, TV on-screen appearance was... In 2006, she was in an episode of Monk where she was credited on IMDb as Mascot. And then her first credited film was 2008. She was in a movie called Garden Party, and she played Tiff, which I'm assuming is short for Tiffany, uh, which is just like her character Tiffany Maxwell from Silver Linings Playbook. So... uh, but, you know, I think we all understand the concept of there's a difference between your your first credited appearance and when you sort of, your career takes off and sometimes that, that takes a little while. And then I guess the 2011 Winter, Winter's Bone was the film where she really, you know, I guess that, I, I, this is right now, this is when I understand that concept of when they call a breakout performance was. And after that, uh, it was just, off to the races. I'm uh, 2010 winner's bone. I'm sorry. I'm saying that because the, it was the 2011 awards season for the 2010 film winter's bone. And, and I say that because she was nominated and let's go into some of the other nominations she got because this is what I find so fun. Very prestigious actress. She has been nominated for 183 different official film role nominations. And of those 183 nominations, she's won 119 of them. One of them being an Academy Award for Best Actress 2012 Silver Linings Playbook. 
Um, and I'm, I'm very surprised too, that it's actually just one for all of those. Uh, this is not to take away from all those different nominations. There's a lot of prestige in being nominated because every one of those awards definitely means something. But I think for the casual film, uh, the casual film listener Academy Awards is pretty much the hot, the gold standard of winning a film acting award. Uh, definitely uh, golden globe is probably up there to Emmys for television and stuff. Uh, BAFTA, uh, and there's different independent film awards. This is my favorite though. This is something that I learned about in doing research for this and they're called Edda awards. Now, what the Edda Awards is, I'm just going to read you from the Edda Award website, all right? The Edda Awards. The Alliance of Women Film Journalists Edda Awards recognizes the amazing work done by and about women, both in front and behind the camera. AWFJ presents Edda Awards at year's end and throughout the year at selected film festivals. The Eddas are named in honor of AWFJ founder Jennifer Marin's mother, Edda Reese Marin, a stage film and television actress whose career spanned more than 60 years, a decade of foot soldier in the industry. Edda was one of the founders of AFTRA and a longstanding member of the AMPAS. Edda is an acronym for excellent dynamic activism, qualities shared by Edda Reese Marin, AWFJ members, and those honored with Edda awards. Right? So they have a different... Different awards for uh, achievements by women in film and stuff. So she, Jennifer, has been just continually nominated for plenty. And most of them are, are uh, very prestigious for what they are, too. Um, best, uh, she won 2011 winner, Best Breakthrough Performance, Winner's Bone, for the 2010 Winner's, winner's Bone. She won Best Breakthrough Performance, and that's what I was talking about, understanding what breakthrough meant. She was nominated for Best Actress uh, at Awards that year, but did not win. But she was also then nominated uh, again for, for other things in between, but this is what I wanted to skip to. Year 2012, or 2013 for the 2012 movies. She was the winner... Uh, for the Kick-Ass Award for Best Female Action Star for The Hunger Games. And that was the year that they were nominating for Silver Linings Playbook 2 because she was nominated for Most Egregious Age Difference Between the Leading Man and the Love Interest. (laughs) I just think that is a funny category. Um, It's probably something to note. There's probably a lot of social things we could talk about, about Hollywood and those betrayals and stuff. Not interested in getting too serious about it. I just, I, I'm tickled by the, the, the category and the fact that she was nominated, but didn't win it either. Um, Bradley Cooper was 37 at the time of filming and Jennifer Lawrence was 22, a difference of, I guess, 15 years. Try to do the math in my head really quick, but it's late. Anyway, uh, so she was, and that is not the only time she has been nominated for most egregious, uh, most egregious age difference between the leading man and the love interest. Um, in 2018, I think she's actually been nominated for it like every year 
since then too. She gets, but uh, in 2018, 2018, she was nominated for the film Mother, a 2017 film uh, by Darren Aronofsky, where um, she was acting with Javier Javier Bardem. I know him. I just never remember how to pronounce his name. I always like Javier Javier Bardem, who was 21 years older than her at the time. And then in 2019, for the 2018 movie Red Sparrow, uh, she was nominated for the EDA Award for Actress Most in Need of a New Agent. I just think they have wonderful categories. I think there needs to be these award categories for every type of film. Um, some interesting things about Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, she was the second youngest actress to win uh, a Best Actress Academy Award, Silver Linings Playbook. She was 22 at the time. The youngest recipient ever was uh, Marley Matlin, who won for Children of a Lesser God, a 1986 film. She, who was 21 at the time. Uh, at 23, Jennifer Lawrence was the youngest actress to be nominated for three Academy Awards, two of them for leading roles, um, and one, which she won. Uh, the third Oscar-winning actress to appear in an X-Men film, the others being Anna Paquin and Halle Berry. All three women appeared together in X-Men Days of Future Past, a 2014 movie. Um, anyway, she's been nominated for a whole bunch of awards. Here's something interesting. I'm not sure about, this is another thing that I probably should have done more research if I was going to talk about it. But I, uh, so I speculate that, that she may have actually been nominated for more awards for her role in American Hustle and she was in Silver Linings Playbook, even though her performance, I think, was... Cons- um, she won the Academy Award for Silver Linings Playbook. I think her role might have been more interesting. Because uh, she, she basically... she she I don't, I don't want to say she played a playing character. Um, all the characters were very dynamic in Silver Linings Playbook. But it was definitely sort of like typical uh, female love interest lead um take all the nuance of the characters apart and the story role is pretty typical you have a man you have a woman they have these problems why they can't get together and then slowly throughout the movie they find they're perfect for one another uh the the follow-up film not it's not like a sequel but just david or russell's follow-up film american hustle was a totally different genre, even though a sort of uh, similar feel, black comedy heist film to uh, a sort of period piece, which I think just lent itself to being a totally different type of role. And so it got her nominated for more sort of like comedy awards and stuff. So I actually think it's sort of the more interesting role. I say that I'm embarrassed to say I've only watched half of it, and not because I didn't like it. I forget what was happening. It was like I was on the road or something, and I watched half of American Hustle. I would love to see the rest of it. I super love the first half that I saw. I just never finished it. She was in the film with Jeremy Renner, who is actually her fifth cousin once removed. I know that's a really far away thing, but uh, apparently they looked it up on Ancestry.com 
uh, probably while they were filming it, and they found out that the uh, Jennifer Lawrence and Jeremy Renner both share an ancestor from from Kentucky, a farmer named Robert Tagu Tagu T A G U E, um, who is Lawrence's fifth great grandfather, and he is Renner's fourth. Anyway, yeah, they're they're related uh, in that movie. Let's go back to the quote at the beginning of the podcast, right? I look at Kristen Stewart now, and I think I'd never want to be famous. I can't imagine how I'd feel if all of a sudden my life was pandemonium. Well, that that came after she lost out the role to Kristen Stewart for Twilight, um, and I would dare to say she went on and became pretty famous. So her life is probably pandemonium, but I think she's been handling it wonderfully. I always think it is so interesting to, to see the roles that uh, famous actresses and actors did not get. And she was actually up for several, um, maybe even more, but these are the ones that I could find easily. Uh, uh, Twilight, she auditioned for the role of Bella Swan that actually eventually went, out to, went to Kristen Stewart. We've talked about Twilight a lot on this podcast, but we definitely need to talk to more. We, we need to get Conrad back on here, and I have some other guests that I wanted to bring on and talk about twilight as it relates to silver Linings playbook um so she also went out for the role of olive pendergast in the movie easy a and that went to emma stone and then she uh, auditioned for the role of serena vanderwoodson in the tv show gossip girl which went to blake lively and she almost got the the Gossip Girl. I forget who the um, creator of that show was, but they they liked they liked Jennifer's audition a lot and wanted it to be her, but she lost out. So it's really interesting to think about one how would her how would Jennifer's career be different if she had gotten any of those roles? I I definitely think those are not as um, while it would have been great, like me as somebody who would love to be an actor but has never gotten uh, any big roles, I got some cool things. But um, you know, any of those would be career changing, life changing. If you have nothing uh, on your IMD page, IMDb page currently, and you get something like that, uh, that really just changes everything for you. But that's interesting when you get a role and you don't have a whole bunch of things you've already done. Um, it can either cause you to get typecast or looking for certain things. I say, I'll, I'll say the one thing I think Jennifer Lawrence has done better than Bradley Cooper. Uh, Jennifer has managed to be part of, like I said, two very popular series, the Hunger Games and X-Men films, and still you can see her in all these other movies. She does comedies. She does. She's done a lot of horror films, psychological thrillers, uh, and basically still feels like she fits in everything. She started, like I said, on a sitcom, uh, the Bill Ingvall show. Um, I would be harder for me to see Bradley Cooper in not like this intense drama leading man role, even though I know he's done some lighter things, a little bit of comedy-ish stuff. Um, I mean, straight-up comedy. His first role was Wet Hot American Summer. But uh, if anybody's typecasting themselves i think that bradley cooper might be doing more of that like really relegating himself to like i don't know well again we're getting close to the end and not a discussion i want to have but it was just such a i, I love having the conversation about like would 
with Twilight, Gossip Girl, or Easy A have been totally different with Jennifer Lawrence at the helm. One, I think uh, she probably could have done uh, any of those wonderfully, but I'm glad everything worked out, because could you see Kristen Stewart, Blake Lively, or Emma Stone as uh, Tiffany Maxwell in Silver Linings Playbook? Maybe, maybe Emma Stone. Emma has... Uh, because uh, cause what was that film? La La Land, right? That wasn't necessarily a comedy, but I think you hit a lot of the same dramatic uh, beats as Silver Linings Playbook, too. So I think I I don't want to say they're interchangeable. They're both really great actresses and would have brought different things to it. They can both hit the comedy and the drama. Um, I'm just saying from that list, I'm. Emma Stone is the one that sticks out for me from those three. Uh, sure, Kristen Stewart could have, but uh, no, no, she couldn't. I'm, I don't know. I'm not a hater of any of these people. Just points. Anyway, um, it's probably time to wrap this up. Uh, this is sorry. I feel like this ended up. I thought this one was going to be way more interesting, and Jennifer Lawrence so deserved it. I had so many facts about it, but I got on such huge tangents talking about myself. Which I guess I can because that's what my podcast is about. And when you have a listenership of almost nobody, you can do anything you want, right? So uh, we will. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening to this week's edition of the Silver Linings Playcast. I'm still looking for stories about uh, people in relationships when you met. If you guys fell in love at different points, hit me up on our social media. It's Silver Linings Playcast. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. You can almost also email us the story uh, if you want to just like record an audio clip on your phone and send me the audio file. You can email it to SilverLiningsPlaycast p l a y c a s t at gmail dot com. That's SilverLiningsPlaycast at gmail dot com. Uh, we're going to wrap this up. We will see you guys down the road and Excelsior. He's kind of crazy. She's a little insane. Keeping energy really messes with his brain. One is divorced. The other's husband is dead. That's why it's so messed up in the head. It's a Silver Linings Playcast. Oh yeah.